Today is week number four in our series on the footsteps of faith. And we are going to be talking today about one that I am really not very good at. And uh, I think you'll probably acknowledge or agree with me that if you're comparing yourself to the right person, you may not be very good at it either. Now, when I say I'm not very good at it, I'm not comparing myself to you. That's not what we want to do. I'm not comparing myself to my wife or to Dan or the church staff or anyone else. I'm comparing myself to Jesus. And when I compare myself to Jesus, I'm really not very good at this stuff at all. Now, I want you to commit with me or to me, to yourself, that as we work through this passage in just a couple of minutes, that you'll resist the urge to compare yourself to anyone else, that you won't pat yourself on the back and say, you know, I'm doing pretty well because I'm better than, right? But I want you to allow the Word of God to sit on your heart in a way or within your heart in a way that encourages you and challenges you to change. Because this week, this has set in my heart and settled in my heart in ways that have been profoundly challenging for me. Convicting and made me come to the conclusion every day that I really need to grow. So I hope that's what happens to you today. Footsteps of faith, we're gonna continue, we're gonna set this up in the way we have the last three weeks in our series to remind you, to remind each of us what the series is about, and then we're gonna dive in. One step at a time. Sometimes the Christian life seems like a never-ending game of Jesus says. Rules, rules, rules. However, when we look closely at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and today we're going to take a little sidestep into the book of Colossians, we learn that Jesus' offer to his first century audience is the same as his offer for you and I today. He invites us to have a relationship with him, and it begins with a simple request, just Take one step at a time. So I've invited you over the last three weeks to take a step of faith. Some might call them baby steps. I wouldn't call them baby steps because I'm not comparing myself to you or to someone who hasn't taken these steps. I just call these natural steps of faith that we take. We took a step away from fear last week, and there have been some great discussions that our small groups have had talking about this, leaving fear behind that I've had with many of you guys, and I believe that God's challenging you. Now, today we're going to be talking about how we present ourselves to the world. The Apostle Paul uses an analogy, and he says, look, if you really want to be Christian, then you need to clothe yourself in a certain way. Now, that immediately brings up all kinds of terrible images, doesn't it? It brings up images of maybe the churches we talked about last week that were concerned about dress code, that you had to wear certain things or look certain ways or have hair a certain length, and that's not at all what we're talking about. But there are some people who love to identify themselves with the externals. Some people even identify the way they practice their religion with the way they look. And so I want to show you a few pictures here to just kind of set the tone and get us uh, together on the same page. I know our church is divided. Um, I was proven wrong just a few minutes ago in, in our first service. I said anecdotally, I believe that more of our church leans toward the Iowa State crowd who identify themselves in maroon and gold or whatever color that is, then identify themselves with the, the University of Iowa crowd just down the street. And that's what happened in the first service. And, and I was proven wrong. How many of you are University of Iowa fans? Iowa, University of Iowa. How many of you are Iowa State fans? You see, you can tell I'm in such, I'm out of touch with our congregation. I've got to do a better job because this, this proved, is, proved true. You guys are University of Iowa fans, just like first service. Um, anyway, they identify themselves. You guys identify yourselves according to 
who you like, who you watch, basketball, football, by the clothes that you wear. Now, it doesn't always just happen in sports. It happens in religion quite a bit. Let's look together. Um, sometimes, this is an old movie. It reminds me of when I was growing up. This is Whoopi Goldberg, and, and she's wearing a nun habit, right? So you know that somebody's a nun because they wear certain clothing, right? It identifies them as, as a job they have, in this case, a religious job. It's not just Catholics. It's the Sikhs. They identify themselves with what they wear. You have to be a very handsome guy to pull this off. And they always look so, you know, handsome and and stately and almost like Disney characters. Um, But they identify their religion with what they wear. Buddhists do as well. The robe with the sash. And you know that a Buddhist monk, you can tell because they wear a certain uniform. Sometimes uh, Christians do this too. Sometimes preachers, you know, this was the old preacher uniform. Remember that? Um, maybe you didn't grow up in a church like that, but my sons visited a church once when they were growing up and uh, we were living in California and they visited a church and they, my oldest son, he called me, he was just in elementary school and he said, dad, you wouldn't believe it. He goes, the preacher wore a tie and he would be talking normal in a normal voice. And all of a sudden he'd just wave his Bible and yell at you. And Richard thought it was hilarious because he'd never seen that before. But sometimes Christians, you know, we sort of identified ourselves by what we wore. Sometimes we still do. And sometimes it can get a little bit weird, you know? Have you ever seen somebody at a gym? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you can't. You can't bench 400 pounds if you can't bench 400 pounds. Jesus isn't going to help you. But sometimes we wear these Christian shirts. Sometimes we shouldn't wear Christian shirts because what goes on on the outside isn't represented by what's on the inside. We're going to watch a video just two minutes long. Now, this is satire. It's put out by the Babylon Bee, and we're picking on some women today. We pick on men all the time. Today, we're picking on women. The Babylon Bee is picking on women, and the Christian subculture, and the fact that sometimes the church has a plan for your life. Now, if you don't understand this or get this, thank goodness you're here, because we, the rest of us, we need your help. So let's watch this together quickly and go to the text. (laughs) Hey, sisters. So you've given your heart to Jesus, but what to do with the rest of you? Not only God's love can transform your heart, but we can give the rest of you a push in the right direction with the Christian Woman's Starter Kit. Let your future Boaz know you're the helpmate of his dreams with our stylish drapey cardigan, infinity scarf, felt hat, mid-calf height boots, and of course, leggings. If the Bible ever seems too intimidating to dive into, we also include our Christian Women's Study Bible. Essentially, all it is is Proverbs 31, the Book of Ruth, and the rest of the text is replaced by a reminder to ask your husband to explain it to you, per 1 Corinthians 14.35. If you still feel like you need to read more for some reason, this package also includes a book of your choice from either Rachel Hollis, Jen Hatmaker, Glennon Doyle, or if you're not into heresy, Allie Beth Stuckey. We should take every opportunity to share the gospel with others. Almost as important is sharing your love for coffee with cute home decor. So we've included 5% off coupons to Hobby Lobby, where you can find the perfect expression of your own personality, which is entirely unique from every other woman with the exact same sign. Bonus points if the sign mentions God and coffee. Finally, in the Christian Woman Starter Kit, you'll be given the choice between three multi-level marketing schemes, <coughs> sorry, business opportunities to join. Mmm, that's the aroma of friendship. 
God looks at the heart. But we need to see that you're committed to looking like the rest of us. We're so excited to be doing life with you. Oh, and Jesus, <laughs> of course. Order your Christian Women's Starter Kit today. Or if you sign up eight of your friends, receive your first bundle free. Okay, Christian Women's Starter Kits are available in the cafe, the city store this morning for $49.95. It's just satire. It's just fun. But they may have a point. Sometimes we find ourselves sort of gravitating toward a subculture. And so the Apostle Paul, he uses an analogy and he says, listen, we're going to take steps of faith. We're going to grow in our faith. So we need to be cautious. We need to be careful. We need to be intentional on what we show the world around us. Now, we have struggled with this as a church, not just our church, the church for years and years and years, because we as a church, we Christians feel like that we have to look different, we have to act different, and we have to do things that are different, which a lot of times that's true, but the problem is we go straight to the behaviors instead of the heart that creates the behaviors, and instead of being different in a good way, we're just really weird. And people look at us and say, if that's what being a Christian is, if that's what Jesus is, I'm not interested. And the Apostle Paul uses an analogy. He uses the analogy of clothing. And he talks about clothes because clothes are important. They're important for two reasons. One, they protect us from the elements. And number two, they present us to the world. And so when you get dressed in the morning, you get dressed intentionally, right? You wake up and you put something on. It doesn't really matter what you put on, but the first person who sees it may be your husband or your wife or your kids, maybe the people you work with. Not a big deal what you put on. It's just, well, you intentionally Put something on. So the Apostle Paul says, listen, we need to be intentional about putting something on. It's going to protect us from the elements, but it's going to present us to the world. And as a Christian, as a person who's following Jesus, I want to make sure that what you're putting on are things that have to do with the inside and not just the junk that so many people claim is Christianity, the stuff on the outside. And so he uses the analogy of clothes, and, and Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Now, there are a, a couple things here I want to point out before we go any further. The first one is when he says chosen people, what he means is, is that you who are Christians, we who've decided to follow Jesus Christ, who've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we Christians, he's writing to Christians, he says holy, which means separate. Now, that's the part where many people get, get it wrong. They did in, in Paul's day. The religious elite were dressing in ways that were really weird. They had these headdresses, these Pharisees that had little pockets that they'd put memory verses in. And they wore these ornate little robes, you know, that had tassels on them. And anybody who looked at them knew they were super religious because they had the, the costume. And Paul say, listen, you're holy, you're separate. But listen, what separates you isn't what you have on the outside. What separates you is what you have on the inside. And as you intentionally present yourself to the world... This is what I want you to show them. And then he says, by the way, I love you. Because the next part's going to be tough. I love you. Just as I love you, Paul loves us. Jesus loves us. And this message is a hard one. And it's been really hard for me. And I trust it's going to be hard for you because it's hard in the best possible way. And then here he goes. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
And as I've mentioned to you since about Wednesday of this week, my fear was that I would mess this up because the word of God is timeless, it's perfect, it's true, it's powerful. And as I had talked to a friend in between services, I said, you know, the problem is I have to say words. And it's not the Bible that's gonna be messed up. It's the words that I say that might confuse you or muddle the point, not allowing you to grasp how powerful this is. And so every day I've prayed, God, let me not mess it up. Let my friends hear this the way you've allowed me to hear this. And I just wanna pray right now as we prepare to dive in that God's gonna do that with us. Father, thank you for the opportunity to engage this truth. As the Apostle Paul points at Jesus, telling us that he hopes we look, we know Jesus points to truth as God and wants us to look as well. I pray that any inadequacy I have would not affect this message and that my friends would embrace, internalize, these truths and live differently. Speak to us. Do what you want because you're God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, religion is not about rule keeping. It's about relationship building. Religion is not about rule keeping, but we invent rules. Humans invent rules. Churches invent rules. Denominations invent rules. For years and years and years, rules have been invented that don't come from scripture. They just come because somebody wants to invent them and it's a way to keep score. And when I invent rules, it's a way for me to control you. It's a way for me to, to, to keep score with you, to prove that I'm a better Christian than you. And I've, I constantly would compare myself perhaps to you or to my wife or my kids or my friends or my coworkers. And, and the Apostle Paul was reminding us, it's about relationship. It's not about rules and rule keeping. And there's a tension here because part of it, what I'm going to talk about in just a minute is what we do, but most of it, it's what God does. Romans 12 talks about this tension, that there's a current of the world and a current of the Holy Spirit, like a current in a river, and that we, our responsibility is to make sure that we put ourselves in the current of the Spirit, to take ourselves out of the current of the world, and then God does everything that's really important, that's powerful, and we're changed. It's kind of like going out in the sun. This last week, I was in Arkansas. When we were in Arkansas visiting my amazing granddaughter and my kids and daughter-in-law, it was warm. And I wanted you guys to have cold weather here. Not because I don't like you, just because I wanted to send back, you know, snarky texts saying, aha, you know, I'm in 80 degrees and you're in 30. It was nice here too. So God blessed all of us with great weather. But I wanted to go out and get some sun. And so I had to make a decision in the morning. I'm going to go out. It's 80-something degrees. I'm going to go walk. I'm going to hike. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get some sun. So I had to do something. I had to be active. I had to participate. I had to dress intentionally, wear some shorts, T-shirt, go out and get some sun. But I didn't give myself sun. The sun did its work. Nothing I could do about it. Put myself in a place where the sun could do its work. And then you look at somebody, and you say, huh, you've been out in the sun you know it. You can also look at somebody and you can say, it's been a long winter and I can tell you haven't been outside. The apostle Paul is talking about this tension that we put ourselves in the sun, that we go outside and then let the sun do its work. And these are the things, these characteristics, these traits, this is what we want to present to the world. 
This is what we intentionally clothe ourselves with. This is how we need to be known. So let's look at them together quickly. And you may not make it through all of them. You may have to stop at one of these and go, look, that's the one that God wants to deal with me in or on today. And that's okay. If you need to stop there and you need to spend a little time with the Lord and tell him that you need to improve, I had to stop in this list and tell the Lord, I need to improve. And I'll share that with you in a minute. But I want you to go at your own pace and I want you to let God speak to you. So I'm gonna describe these things to you very quickly. And I hope you can understand how powerful this is. Now, let's look together at the first one. Compassion. The Apostle Paul says, clothe yourself with compassion. Remember you're loved. Remember you need to be set apart. Remember, since you're a Christian, clothe yourself with compassion. So I would ask you this question. Since we are putting ourselves in the sun, since we're growing spiritually, since the Holy Spirit's doing something in us, and we're taking a footstep of faith, are you more compassionate today than you were yesterday? Are you more compassionate this week than you were last month or last year? Are you growing in your compassion? Now, this is not an unusual or a, a new concept. We talk about this a lot, but this is one of the things Jesus talked about a lot. The Apostle Paul points at Jesus saying it was important to Jesus, so it's important to us. And so you may ask the question, what is this compassion? If we've been out in the sun, we're becoming more compassionate. A compassion or compassion literally means moved. Now, you and I would say we're moved in our heart. The Jews would say they're moved in their bowels. Because the bowels, according to the Jews, that was the seat of emotion. And so you might say something like this. Maybe I'm talking to my wife. And I'd be like, hey, honey, how about a little Netflix tonight? And Netflix and ill, because you've moved me in my bowels, right? That's what they would say. Joy would say, you need a little Pepto, because <laughs> you're not getting close to me. But can you imagine being so emotionally connected that you're no longer jaded, bitter, bitter, cynical, or distanced from the spiritual and physical condition of others. In Matthew chapter 9, the Bible talks about Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at the crowds. Now, this is important because the crowds were not just his people. You and I, we have our people. I got my wife, got my kids, got my daughter-in-law, got my grandbaby. Then I have my friends. I got my church staff that we work with. I got my people. And then I got the people that kind of look the same way and kind of think the same way I do and vote the same way and the kind of people, you know. But then there are all kinds of people who really aren't my kind of people. Those are the other people. You know, God love them. They need heaven, but they're not my concern. Be truthful. I don't even like them. I mean, if we're really honest, right, sometimes we find ourselves, let alone not being compassionate, but we just don't like people. And the Apostle Paul says if we're in the sun, if God is moving in our spirit, if we're taking the footsteps of faith, that we're putting on a heart of compassion where the spiritual and physical condition of another moves us physically. And that's the end of a process. And the first part of that process is acknowledging the fact that I want to be and need to be moved by others. It's the difference, friends, of being inward-focused and outward-focused. It's the difference of living for Jesus. Well, that's just point number one. And um, 
that may be where you stop. That might be the one you put in your pocket and you save for later. Don't elbow your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids. Don't text somebody and say, I hope you're paying attention. This is just between you and God. And there's more. And the next one is kindness. Since we're Christians, I would go so far as to say, if we're Christians, we are putting on the heart of compassion and we're putting on kindness. Kindness is loaning your strength to somebody else when they don't have it. It's best seen in our closest relationships because our closest relationships often provide the best opportunity for us to do it. It's best seen by the world around us within the church because each of us are either going into a storm, a tough time of life, we're in the middle of one, or we've just come out of one, and there are times when I'm weak and I need you and your strength, and there are times when you need me. And kindness is my willingness to give you my strength in the times when you need it. And then there's another word here, humility, that's going to come up in a second. That's me being willing to receive the same when I need it. So that's number two. As we present ourselves to the world, to be holy. This is what holiness means. This is what being set apart means. This is what being separate means. Forget about all of the stuff you may have been taught. This is what Paul says. Compassion. Humility. What is humility? Humility is not thinking less about yourself. It's simply thinking about yourself less often. It's viewing yourself correctly. When I said that I compare myself to Jesus, not to you, it's because I don't want to be better at God than you are. I don't want to win. I don't want to be caught up in impression management. I don't want to care what religious people think. I want to care what Jesus thinks. And I want to grab you by the hand and I want together for us to go and become followers of him. Giving strength when I can give it, receiving strength when I need it, being moved with your needs and your spiritual condition, no longer choosing to live isolated and by myself, taking responsibility for you because I am a citizen of humanity just like you are. And there's no difference. I'm not better than anybody and neither are you. Everything you have is a gift from God. God gives ability, God gives strength, God gives opportunity, God gives wisdom. Everything we are is a gift from God and the ground is truly level at the foot of the cross. I am just a citizen of humanity. I'm saved by God's grace and my faith. I didn't do anything to earn it. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I can't keep it. The Bible says that it's a gift, a free gift, because God's gracious and I believe with my faith and that I didn't do anything to earn it. And if I did, I'd just brag about it and mess it up. That it's eternal life and it levels the playing field. And some of us think we're better than other people. And a Christian puts on the attitude and the spirit of humility. I'm just another citizen of humanity. Let's meet at the level ground of the foot of a cross. Well, that's just number three. And there are a couple more. I'd like to say it gets a little easier, 
See, I love this stuff. We want to grow, don't we? This isn't stuff we learn to make us feel bad and, oh, we're terrible people. Oh, we got to. No, this is stuff where we grow. Everyone wants to grow. We all want to improve. We all need God's strength to be able to help us live this, this walk of faith, this life of faith. So let's look at this next one together. And this next one is the one that I confess I have struggled with the most. This is the one. I, part of me doesn't want to tell you. I don't want you to think that about me, but then part of me is like, ah, you who know me probably know anyway. I'm not great at this stuff. This is one of the hardest ones, and this is the one I see Jesus do so well. Gentleness. Gentleness is the decision to respond to others based on their strengths and weaknesses. Not on mine. My relationship with you is more important than you being impressed by me. Can you say that about the world around you? Can you say that about the people close to you? Can you say it about the people you're trying to show Jesus to? My relationship with you is far more important than you being impressed with me. Sometimes when I preach, it feels like I want you to like me and I want to say things that make you laugh and I want to connect and I want to impress you so you come back next week and bring your friends. And I remember what's far more important than you liking me or being impressed by me is our relationship. And our relationship is, is that I wrestle with the truths that God's given me and I humbly give them to you and I hope God does the same thing. And if you like me, that's awesome. But it's not really the point. We need to be willing to be injured rather than to inflict injury. And if somebody has to lose, it's going to be me, not them. Because there's something so much more important at stake. Now, this one, I hope, is making you a little uncomfortable. I hope you need to polish your shoes after we talk about this because God's stepping on your toes. But this is a really hard one. Second Timothy talks about it. Stay away from stupid arguments. Don't be petty. Don't try to win all the time. Quit worrying about your ego. Forget about being right. The gospel's at stake. So live like Jesus with gentleness. There's another one coming up. Patience. This is one of my two favorite words in the Greek New Testament. And it's not because I like them because they're fun. Ha ha. I like them because they're challenging. And we've already established we like a challenge, don't we? We like a challenge because we want to grow. We're not the people we need to be, but God loves us just the way we are. We're not the person we're going to be because God is going to take us. We're going to go out into the sun and we're going to change. And this patience, macrothemia, there's two words for patience. Hupomone, which is patience with circumstance. We all learn that. This word here, the word that Paul's using in this particular situation is patience with people. How patient are you with the people who are around you? Deciding to go at their speed, not mine. I think this is profound. I'm committed to go at the speed of the people who are around me, not demand that they go at mine. Jesus, when he called his disciples, he called one disciple, and the guy insulted Jesus' hometown. I mean, this was like their first meeting. He's like, what good could come from Nazareth? And Jesus is like, listen, you just insulted my mom and my grandma and my people and my place and the place where I grew up and my roots. 
But you know what? I don't expect you to go at my pace. I'm going to go at yours because I'm gentle. I'm humble. And he extended his hand and he said, follow me. Peter, over and over and over again. Peter, the bonehead. Peter, you and me. We are Peter in a lot of ways, saying things and doing things constantly. The foot goes into the mouth over and over. And Jesus, patient. I'm going to go at your speed, not mine. The Apostle Paul called himself a Christian killer. Hunted and killed Christians. Yet Jesus was patient. All right, let's keep moving for the sake of time here. By the way, Paul says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So there's just a little compound concluding thought here. The apostle Paul says, bear and forgive. Now, bear means to be slower with my demanding expectations. All of us can probably relate to that, right? To grade people according to the same curve that we grade ourselves. And if they're not quite up to where we think they should be, to take a little step back and be slow to forgive others, to cancel the debt just like Jesus canceled mine. And by the way, friends, forgiveness and the choice not to forgive, we got to talk about this for just a second. One of the reasons is because one of my good friends after first service came up and said, enough with the forgiveness. I get it. Don't talk about it anymore. It makes me uncomfortable. And she said it with a big smile on her face because it's a hard one. So I know I need to talk about it. And I said, can I quote you? And she said, yep, don't use my name, which I won't do. If you found yourself stalled out in your walk of faith, perhaps it's the decision you've made not to forgive. Let me say it a different way. To take the next step of faith to be able to embrace these things we've talked about, to be able to put on these things that we've talked about. We have to bear with each other and we have to forgive. And this was the key, forgive as the Lord forgave us. It doesn't mean what happened was right. It doesn't mean it was fair. It doesn't mean it was legal. It doesn't mean it should happen again. It doesn't mean you have to have a friendship with somebody, but we have to let it go and give it to God. If not, we can't move on. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then he goes on and he uses another analogy, another command, and it's in verse 14. And he said, listen, unless you forget, he said, love should bind it all together. And he uses the analogy of clothes and he uses the analogy of a jacket. And he said, love should be your jacket. And when you do all this stuff, you should put on your jacket of love. And when you put it on, you need to button it up. Because loving others is going to bind all of this stuff together. It's going to make it work. And he said, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, be intentional about the way we present our faith to the world. So many times I find that I'm unintentional. And I say, I didn't mean to do it. Oops, I wish I'd thought about it before I did it. Oh, I can't believe I missed that opportunity. I can't believe it happened that way. 
I mean, just the other day when I was in Arkansas, my son, Richard, he has a job and I had met some of his friends. I called him his little friends at work, which drove him crazy because he's a 20, almost 27 year old man and he's got a great big job. And I'm like, hey, I want to come meet your little friends. And he said, all right. You know, he's always a little bit concerned when dad comes to work. So I got done with the gym. I was getting ready to go up and Joy looked at me and she goes, you're going to wear that? And I said, well, why wouldn't I wear that? It was in my gym shorts, my t-shirt, right? She goes, you got to think it through. You're going to meet Richard's friends. You gotta be careful. And I said, well, why wouldn't I wear what I have on? She goes, go put some big boy pants on, right? That's what she said. So I went and put some big boy pants on to go meet my son's friends at work because I had to be intentional about it. I didn't know it, my wife knew it, but I wanna be able to say I meant to do it. And I did it, that it was a choice, that I'm gonna live a different way, that the world's watching. And as much as I wish they'd watch somebody else besides me, I say I'm a Christian. And friends, you're not going to read it on my t-shirt. I pray and I trust and I hope that they see it in us with these things that we're talking about. And some of these things, they die hard. In the fall, when leaves fall off the tree, it seems like there's almost always a couple of leaves that don't fall off. You ever notice that? couple stubborn leaves. I got a couple things in my life that just don't seem to fall off. My gosh, can't I be a little more gentle? Can't I be a little more kind? God, can't I be a little more patient? Can't I be a little more humble? I'm so tired of being so bad at this stuff. Let people look at somebody else because I don't want them to see. Sometimes they just don't fall off. You have these two. It's called being real, right? That's just being real. The winter comes and sometimes these things hang on. And then the spring comes and new life begins to come out. And when the new life begins to come out, even those most stubborn leaves fall off. And you look at that tree and you say, that tree has been living close to the sun. That's what this walk of faith is all about. That's what you and I are doing together. And that's my prayer for you as we close this message together. Father, thank you for my friends.